0: Chapter Sixty Three of The Social War of Nineteen Hundred, or The Conspirators and Lovers. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Social War of Nineteen Hundred, or The Conspirators and Lovers, by Simon Landis. Chapter Sixty Three Dr. Juno's conciliatory and black-flag speech to the conspirators. Dr. Juno now addressed the conspirators as follows. Fellow citizens, I suppose you appreciate the condition in which you are now placed. Your leaders are in my hands and powerless. If you value their lives, do each of you as I command, or they shall suffer for it, and you shall have the black flag held over your own heads. I have a large army of soldiers without. You are besieged on all sides, and your hero, Deacon Rob Stew, is already my paroled prisoner of war, who, I am sure, has violated his parole, and for which he shall pay heavily. I have no malice against you, either individually or collectively, but stern duty to my cause and my fellow creatures demands rigorous action, and I am either tender or hard-hearted altogether according to the circumstances and behavior of those with whom I am compelled to deal. In the first place, then, I ask you to surrender your arms cheerfully to my soldiers, when you will be safe until you rebel again. Soldiers, do your duty. Take possession of all the arms of the conspirators wherever found in this building. Also remove the dead and wounded to appropriate quarters, and guard all the conspirators, not allowing one to escape. Now then, I will lay before you what my intentions are, by what authority and power I appear before you as dictator. It must be self-evident to all thinking minds that the spirit of selfishness is the same anti-natural and anti-Christ one that sustains sectarian and partisan movements. You, the bloody conspirators, are the quintessence of sectarianism and selfishness. You have been jealous of every one who has entertained different views to your own narrow-minded ones. You have persecuted every one who has served his creator as his conscience dictated, without having given him an opportunity to promulgate his views. And neither have you been able nor willing to show him the soundness and philosophy of your own tenets. But you have usurped every right of the sovereigns of free, noble America. By your antichrist doctrines. You have made Mammon your God, and therefore you have made yourselves rich in filthy lucre by your selfish, penurious, and bigoted teachings and practices. You have had laws made to exempt your property from taxation, claiming that your brick and mortar temples of fashion were the churches of God, when they are houses wherein nonsense is dealt out to the sincere and unsuspicious. Where the Bible is falsely interpreted and where Jesus Christ is misrepresented, and by your sanctimonious seemings have cheated the millions of the sovereign people out of their rights—rights to be equal possessors of all the real wants of the human temple, rights to know the fixed laws of God, and opportunities and conditions for all the people to fulfill the measure of their manhood by rigid obedience to His hallowed laws, thereby giving them a vivid appreciation of His wonderful works you have created circumstances throughout the world that make the rich richer and the poor poorer. You have had laws made to protect the selfish sectarian and partisan in this ill gotten lucre and position, whilst the poor, starving people, whose duty it is to themselves and to their god not to commit suicide by starvation, are imprisoned for taking a loaf of bread or ear of corn. You own all the land, and claim to own heaven, earth, air, men's, women's, and children's souls, or you would feed the hungry with healthy food and clothe the naked with the habiliments of heavenly knowledge, a knowledge of the fixed, natural laws of God, created and vouchsafed to all mankind alike, a knowledge of the precepts, examples, and teachings of Jesus Christ, as contained in his sermons on the mount, a knowledge that, when promulgated throughout the world, proved that sect, party, and self belong to the devil's kingdom. You therefore have my intentions, when I tell you that all sects and parties shall be abolished, and the law of love to God and man shall become the Alpha and Omega of this nation, and to bring about this heavenly condition we the sovereign people must make it our business to vanquish every one who advocates such doctrines, and I am authorized by the Workingmen's Platform, by the rights of the sovereign people, and these people themselves, to subdue you kindly if I can. But if you are not willing to abandon your heinous work, then I shall wave the black flag over your heads, and the power which lies in the people who revere God's laws gives me sovereign sway and masterdom. I hope I have been understood by all of you. But for fear that some of you are too dull to comprehend plain Christianity, I will reiterate that the money power and its father, sectarianism, shall be leveled summarily by the sovereign people of America, and I have the honor to be the leader in carrying out that holy movement. Therefore I will ask you to repent of the past, and by surrendering your property to the treasury of the nation and becoming one of us, you shall have a perpetual equal membership in our brotherhood. You shall receive the same that we do, so long as you are faithful to fix law and order but, on the contrary, if you refuse to voluntarily join us in spirit and truth, we must place you in such a position that you cannot harm our cause any more." I pause for a reply, or I will hear remarks from any of the conspirators. "'Dr. Juno,' responded Reverend Joe Peer, "'I have only to say that we may have been imprudent, but it never was any will of mine to deprive any one of his freedom and whilst I have been president of this conclave, I have never instituted any retrogressive movement. Still, I have been urged and compelled to enforce many things that were repulsive to my better nature, and I, for one, am penitent, and will join the most righteous cause, which I really cannot help seeing you espouse. I am happy to learn that the president of this conclave is ready to do penance and become a progressive Christian. But before I can confide in such promises, and in the man who makes them, I would like to know how Mr. Peer was compelled to enforce many things that were repulsive to his better nature. Who compelled you? You were the president, hence the leader of this conclave," said Dr. Juno. "'It was... the deacon,' stammered Reverend Joe Peer, whilst the deacon eyed him ferociously, which caused the hypocritical coward to stutter but being pressed by Dr. Juno, who interposed, "'Go on. Never mind the deacon's threatening countenance. He is my prisoner, and death hangs over his perjured head.' "'Well, sir,' continued Joe Pier, without fear, seeming to feel relieved by Dr. Juno's assurance that his deaconship cannot harm him any more. "'I will speak to the point, and without fear, as I know you are a man of your word.' and will protect me from the injury which this most diabolical deacon Rob Stew would inflict upon me, if he had it in his power, for divulging any of his infamous conduct." At this point the deacon involuntarily made a grab for the Reverend Joe Pier, who fairly screamed, "'Oh! Lord, keep him from me! Dear Dr. Juno!' "'Stand back, or die!' ejaculated Dr. Juno, leveling his pistol at the deacon's breast but the latter did not care for pistols or anything else, hence grasped Rev. Joe Peer by the throat. End of chapter 63